0: podcast. I am Maggie Coomer. And I'm Jasmine Brand. And welcome to another edition of Suffragist Saturday. Each Saturday leading up to the United States presidential election on November 3rd, we will be covering a different person and or group of people who influenced universal enfranchisement for American women in 19 with the 19th Amendment. Who are we talking about today, Jasmine?
1: This week, we're going to be talking about Ida B. Wells. And for me, when I think of Ida B. Wells, I think of civil rights and suffrage. And I know suffrage is not often covered a whole lot when we talk about her. To me, she combines these things like her lifelong pursuit is not just about civil rights, but also about women's rights. And she marries the two of these ideas together as really they should be, I think. What do you think of when you think of Ida B. Wells?
0: Well, when I think of Ida B. Wells, I think of her famous pamphlets and written works published in the 1890s about anti-lynching. So that's what I th- I associate Ida B. Wells with anti-lynching, but that's... Like just the very beginning, that's the tip of the iceberg of her activism. And she gets really involved with suffrage in the nineteen teens, specifically because of in, in the first episode where we talked about Ann Dallas Dudley, we talked specifically about the southern states and their lack of support for the suffrage movement was tied with the unwillingness to give black women the right to vote
1: really, if we're going to talk about that as well, in contrast to a lot of the middle and upper class white women who are fighting for suffrage, Ida's entire life was a fight for just basic equal rights, whether we're talking about suffrage, whether we're talking about the right not to be murdered with her anti-lynching campaigns, or whether we're talking about general civil rights. And Really, that makes her a lifelong activist from almost from birth. She's born on a plantation in 1862. So right in the middle of the Civil War in Mississippi. And because her mother was enslaved, that meant that she, too, was enslaved from birth. And that's how she's introduced to the world. So when the Civil War ends and her family remains in Mississippi, well, what happens from there?
0: So they remain in Holly Springs, Mississippi, and her parents really instilled the importance of education in Ida's mind, and she's going to enroll in Rust College, where her father had become a trustee, and she receives an education. Now, by the time she's 16... And this is a really interesting story. So when she was 16, she went to visit a grandmother. So she left left home for a few months and she received word that there had been a major yellow fever epidemic in Holly Springs that unfortunately uh, that killed her mother, father and youngest brother.
1: So basically what happens is after they've gone through this big tragedy her grandmother and some of the older siblings are, like, helping to take care. You know, they're all taking care of each other. But one of her sisters dies, and I'm not sure what of, and her grandmother dies, like, shortly after she's lost her parents. So lots of tragedy. Lots of tragedy. Lots of death. And it's just – it's – you know, a sad, sad time. So she gets an invitation from an aunt who lives in Memphis and she'll take, um, I believe it's just two of her sisters with her at that point and they'll go and live in Memphis and she'll start working as a teacher.
0: So that is her foray into education. So she starts teaching. She's teaching at segregated schools in Memphis and she becomes a writer as well. She starts writing for a newspaper, uh, a black newspaper called Free Speech, and her articles become, for the day, become increasingly, um, blunt, and very, um, let's see here. They raise this big stir, all right? As you can imagine, in Memphis, Tennessee, in the 1890s, it wasn't the friendliest place for talking about desegregation or talking about discrimination against Black people. The Memphis School Board actually fired Ida because of her controversial journalism and articles published for free speech. That happened in 1891, and soon after, she became the editor for that newspaper. Uh, One of my favorite stories about Ida B. Wells' early life. In 1884, she filed a lawsuit against a Memphis train car company after she was kicked out of a first-class car, despite having a first-class ticket. She won the case. I believe she won $500 in damages, but the company appealed to the federal courts, and that decision was eventually overturned.
1: By 1889, she had become the co-owner and editor at a racial justice newspaper called the Free Speech and Headlight. And this was a pretty big point. She was now a business owner in Memphis. But just a few years later in 1892, she would be driven out of Memphis, have to leave all of this behind because she had published an anti-lynching pamphlet called Southern Horrors, following the murder of one of her friends, another quite well-known, to do business owner in memphis she leaves and goes to chicago with the threat of if she ever returns to memphis she will be murdered herself
0: she'll be lynched
1: yeah yeah how terrifying is that she has to leave essentially the home she's made for herself her family she can't ever go back so she goes from there she goes to chicago we're in chicago and when she gets there the World's Fair. The Colombian World's Fair is happening. And she really disagrees with what she's seeing happen there. There's an exclusion of Black people and a wild misrepresentation of them, which was pretty common at these World's Fairs. And so she decides that she's going to start a boycott.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So boycott the Colombian World's Fair. She embarks on speaking tours in Europe throughout 1893 and 1894.
1: Well, and in 1893, she also starts the Woman's Era Club, or Era, Woman's Era Club, um, which was kind of like an early women's rights club in Chicago. So that's one of the first, first clubs we see her start there. Of course, there's going to be numerous, numerous clubs and leagues that she's involved with.
0: 1895 was a big year for Ida. She met and married a lawyer and newspaper man named Ferdinand Barnett. And that's when she becomes Ida B. Wells Barnett. They'll go on to have four children. And for the rest of her life, Ida really balances. She plays a balancing game of motherhood and activism. Also, in 1895, she publishes the famous her famous pamphlet, anti-lynching pamphlet called The Red Record. A quote from The Red Record is as follows that scenes of unusual brutality failed to have had any visible effect upon the human sentiments of the people of our land. Why did you pick that quote in particular?
1: I picked that because it's right from the beginning and she's laying out why she's continuing to write this. So she's been, you know, driven out of Memphis and yet she's gone on to create this second pamphlet that's more in depth. And this is her own words of why she's doing that.
0: So essentially, this quote means that despite the brutality of lynching, this, despite the murder of Black folks throughout the South, there's no visible effect on the human sem- humane sentiments of the people of our land. So essentially, there's it's not having a, the desired effect, the desired reactionary response from normal people, right? People are just kind of sweeping it under the rug.
1: Yeah. And she says that this is because how these, these scenes are being presented in white-run newspapers and publications is not really getting to, to the depths and horrors that they really are. So she wants to lay out those scenes from her perspective, from her point of view, having experienced this, not obviously herself, but having close friends go through this and watching what it's done to their lives and the lives of those around them.
0: At the beginning of the published published version of the Red Record, there is a letter from Frederick Douglass, and Frederick Douglass applauds her, applauds her publishing this.
1: Let's just bring up the one point, though, that this is the pamphlet where she talks about how She basically flips the story on its head, right? A lot of the causation or justification for lynching up until this point was that the lynching was happening to black men because they were raping white women. And in this pamphlet, she goes into depth of how that's really untrue and how if that was the case, why is it not the reverse way around, how black women experience rape at far higher rates and nothing is done to the white men that are are doing this. And it really causes a massive uproar in that. So I, I think we see her foray into women's rights within this document quite early on in her like public activism role. And she'll go on from there. And she starts a number of different clubs, councils, Leagues. So just to name a few, in 1896, she helped start the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs in DC. She'll also that same year um, help to start the National Afro American Council. In 1909, she goes on to be the co-founder of the NAACP, which I found it interesting. Later on, she says that they parted ways because they the organization was not action-focused enough. They were, like, printing a lot and saying a lot, but not really doing a lot.
0: So it's clear that she didn't really see these as two separate issues, civil rights and suffrage, right? Suffrage is a part of civil rights. The suffrage
1: clubs and leagues were fighting with each other as much as they were fighting with anti-suffrage people and clubs so there's there's a big issue with that a lot of it is around race um of who exactly should get the vote is it all women or only certain women
0: right and so Ida and we talked about this in the ann dallas dudley episode that in the south people were concerned with black women getting the vote that's ida b wells So she's fighting for the enfranchisement of women, but she also feels that that burn, that sting of exclusion, or at least they try to exclude her. What what was we were talking a little bit about this, a very famous instance. And which specific uh, parade was this for? Which march was this did this happen at?
1: So this was in 1913 in Washington, D.C. Her club that she starts the same year, the Alpha Suffrage Club that was coming from Chicago, was bringing a desegregated delegation to this parade. And it was the National American women's suffrage association parade and it was supposed to be massive they were having delegations from all across the country and it was supposed to be set up like state by state so you would go and march with your state to show support for suffrage and i believe this was on the eve of Woodrow Wilson's not um not nomination court Not coronation, inauguration. Inauguration. (laughs) Yep, my country's right. Um, So it was on the eve of Woodrow Wilson's inauguration. I, I believe this one happened. And... They show up, Ida B. Wells and all of her other other women, her delegation show up, and they're told they cannot march with their state because it's going to be a segregated march. So she would have to wait until the end and then march at the end of the parade. Well, that's not sitting very well with Ida, so she, what she does is she goes into the crowd and she'll wait until Illinois starts to pass. And then she breaks out of the crowd along with the rest of the women. From her delegation, and she links arm in arm with the rest of the Alpha Suffrage Club, and they will continue on the parade route that entire way. And everyone is too polite to tell her to
0: essentially get out of the parade. And and I love that, right? So I I mean, this how how astute was Ida B. Wells at this at this moment? She knew there was not going to be a stop of the parade, right? They're not going to come in and like and cause a huge scene and drag them by their hair out of the parade race. Like th- th- this is way too Victorian era for that, right? <laughs> I guess this is Edwardian era, but the the same ridiculous levels of politeness still exist, right? And um so she she knows. She's like, "Okay, here we do. Well, let's go. Let's make this visual statement." And there's absolutely nothing that anybody can do about it. So Fuck y'all. I love it. I think that's great. I just love that story. I think that's my favorite story about her. All right. So women win win the right to vote. The 19th Amendment is ratified in 1920. However, not a ton changes for the average Black woman in the South specifically, right? Right. What happens? So
1: you have... The continuation of what we've seen happen to black men leading up to this point. So poll taxes, literacy tests, all of these barriers that are put in place. I mean, even the closure of poll places or, I mean, simply not having polling places in predominantly black neighborhoods. So all of these barriers are put in place and they will not disappear for decades and decades more not until the 1960s and this is a big problem and especially Ida B. Wells, the whole point of what she's fighting for is to give black women a voice in politics. But how can you get your voice in politics if you can't even get your vote out? And so she sees this happening. And I I think that this is part of the reason that if we fast forward to a little bit later in her life, by the late 1920s and early 1930s, she's decided to run for office. And she starts off um, trying to just, just get a delegation to the RNC. And of course we see Dudley and Alice Dudley going as a delegate to the Democratic National Convention. Elida B. Wells is trying to go to the Republican National Convention, but they won't allow her to. She loses it out to a white man. Um, And this is in the late 1920s. Now, 1930, she decides, okay, well, I'm just going to leave this behind. The Republican Party isn't really serving my purposes anymore. I'm going to run as an independent for the Illinois State Senate. But again, she loses out on that. So she continues to try and put a lot into lifting these barriers. And if you can't do it by voting, well, maybe you can do it by having a black woman in office. And unfortunately, that never happens for
0: her. I think the spirit of this woman is really inspiring because she just kept going. She just kept trying something new, whether it be anti-lynching, whether it be enfranchisement for black voters, whether it be running for office. She she tried. She kept trying really she her, until her death because she died shortly thereafter right she died after that that state senate bid she died on March 25th 1931 in Chicago and i don't know i just think her entire life is an exercise in standing up for what you believe in that's the enti- that's her entire life so there's so much more to her than just suffrage just a suffrage activist it's all so relevant, but I went to see Gloria Steinem when she came to Nashville, and she was in conversation with Ashley Judd. So Gloria Steinem told a story about her friend, the uh, lawyer, feminist, civil rights activist Florence Kennedy, and that when they were when they would go and do press conferences or they would talk to anybody, journalists in the media, that. They would ask Gloria about the women's rights movement, and they would ask Florence about the civil rights movement. And she said, we would let them do it because we were getting our message out. That was the most important thing. However, her point was that these two issues never were never two separate issues. The civil rights movement and women's rights and voting, this all goes into civil rights. Well, folks, that is the end of our Saturday Suffragist episode on Ida B. Wells. We hope you enjoyed this. If you liked what you heard, I want you to head to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. If you haven't listened to last week's Suffragist Saturday on Ann Dallas Deadly, that episode is available wherever you listen to podcasts and, of course, on our website, thegoodolddayspod.com. Head to the website, check it out if you haven't haven't had a look yet. Very proud of the site.
1: Yeah, don't forget about our social media. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the good old days pod and on Twitter at the good OD pod. And we're still on TikTok because it is still here. So find us, follow us um, and share. I really want to hear your voting stories. So share those with us. Use the hashtag what, what, what is
0: our hashtag? Suffragist Saturday. <laughs> hashtag Suffragist Saturday. My brain this morning.
1: So use our hashtag Suffragist Saturday. Tag us. Let us know if you're voting early, by mail, like whatever you're doing. I'm really curious about your voting plans and, you know, want to see that show of support for these women and men that we're
0: talking about. Absolutely. All right. Well, we hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you all so much. Goodbye. Bye.